back at the Ayatollah of Fantasy Rock and Roll with us today, Adam Rank. How are you doing, Rank? You look great in person, and I uh, just can't wait to next year we, we can pack it full of 25,000. Hey, Bob, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing great. I didn't know it was Ball Guy Day. It was being ranked. I mean, how do you lose? This is the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. Hello and welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. This is episode 182, and as always, I am joined by Major Caldwell and Tara Roberts. And on today's show, we will be breaking down my way too early rankings for fantasy football. Which players am I too high on? Which players am I too low on? Listen and find out, and trust me, Major and Tara, they're definitely going to let me know one way or the other. But first, we got to get into the news that knows that it all starts off in Denver right now. As recent news has come out there that Javante Williams could be ready for the start of training camp. Major, what are your thoughts on Javante Williams being ready for training camp? And is this coach speak? Is this trying to give a little bit of false hope to maybe the fan base? That's exactly where I was going. I think it's a little uh, premature for that. Like, And you don't want to rush uh, a running back with that type of injury. So they need to take their time. They have Samaji there. I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be a good filler for at least five games. And then then work Javante in there and, and, and you know, work him in slowly because you don't want to rush that. I know coaches have to say all the good stuff to make all the fans come and buy the tickets and preseason tickets and all that other stuff. But we, we can't rush this, man. Like, especially a running back of his caliber, you don't want to, like, mess this kid's career up because your guys are trying to, like, sell tickets, you know? Well, you remember, this sounds exactly like the J.K. Dobbins situation just yeah. a year ago. Jim Harbaugh was talking about it. Was like, yeah, we think that Dobbins could be ready for training camp. The truth is, Javante Williams did a number on that knee, and it's going to take a while for him to get ready. Now, you know what? I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope Javante Williams is back 100% week number one. I just don't see this as being plausible. And I think this is Sean Payton kind of throwing it out there, being like, hey, you know what? We're, we're ready. We're ready to be an explosive offense. And the Denver Broncos, they have done a good bunch of work here in the offseason, made some nice draft selections, solidified that offensive line. So when Williams is ready, he's going to come in there and he's going to be able to ball out. As long as he can get his job back from Samaj P. Ryan, which is going to be a right. problem because we know, hey, we both love ourselves some Samaj P. Ryan. And he has an opportunity to really take hold of a role on this Denver Broncos team. He may not be the one, but he could be a 1B when it's all said and done, along with Javante Williams. Now, that being said, I don't even trust this Denver Broncos training staff because you look at the wide receivers last season. Jerry Judy, <laughs> he was hurt. Cortland Sutton, he was hurt. Tim Patrick missed the season. K.J. Hamler was out yeah. for a good portion of the season. So, I mean, they're not the Los Angeles Chargers training staff by any stretch, but – Let's pump the oh, brakes here a little bit. Let's give the van. They're not, well, they're not putting no holes in any quarterback's lungs. Right? <laughs> now, sticking with the running back theme here, and this one I kind of buy into when Coach Ron Rivera says that he wants to get Gibson more involved in this offense. I, I'll let you know what I think about this, but Major, I want to know you, as our running back guru from the College of the Canyons. Hello, Ron Rivera. Welcome to the party. We've been saying this for two years already. Like, come on, dude. Like, you have a converted receiver playing running back. Why not throw him the ball? <laughs> Why not get him outside the tackles? 
why not do all the things that any other coach that has an athletic, fast, agile, wide receiver type running back, why not use him to his best uh, capabilities? Why do that? Let's, let's just run powers inside. Like, that's the only thing he can do. Ron is so late on this thing, man. Like, sometimes I like him as a coach, but sometimes I'm like, man, he probably needs to call it a wrap. He's, he, he's a little too old, I think, at this point because – it, you know, you have Gibson there, and then you got um, what's the other running back from uh, Brian Robinson? You got Chris Robinson. Rodriguez, the draft pick there. You I got mean, so Patterson many still. running backs. You got so many running backs, and you're not. You know, I don't think they need even to get. I thought Gibson is going to be a three down back, but you know, in this situation, to me, it looked like he it may be one of those one A one B type of situations that you were just talking about in Denver, happening in Washington. So, um. I don't know, man. Ron, like, yeah, welcome to the party, man. The 1A1B is taking the league by storm. I mean, if you don't have two running backs, you really don't have one. There's very few of those bell cow type backs, or at least getting that role. There's lots of bell cow type backs out there. They're just not being treated as such as far as the league is concerned or how these teams are looking at the running back position. But the one thing I, I really like here, and I think Gibson is a sleeper right now as far as fantasy is concerned, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in my, when we get to the rankings of the running back position, but remember, J.D. McKissick was one of the most targeted running backs last season. He's no longer there. You take J.D. McKissick out of the equation, and then you add Eric B. Enemy, who was targeting Jerick McKinnon last season, especially in the red zone in this Kansas City Chiefs offense. Now, I'm not saying Sam Howell is Patrick Mahomes, and I'm not saying that there's a Travis Kelsey on this commander's team. But what I am saying is this commander's team has a Curtis Samuel, a Jahan Dotson. They've got themselves a Terry McLaren. It's possible that they have a better pass-catching group than what the Kansas City Chiefs had last season as a pass-catching group, which means like Gibson could be really effective as a pass-catcher out of the backfield as teams focus on these other pass-catching threats in this offense. So I really like Gibson here as a sleeper. You take out McKissick, you add in Eric Bieniemy, and I think you got a good sleeper appeal when it comes to this back. Now, another wide receiver who's looking at making a comeback this season, Michael Thomas. He had the hardware removed from his foot. For how long, though, is the question, Major? Are we going to see Michael Thomas in any way, shape, and form in this New Orleans offense under Derek Carr? Man, it's I hate to say no because, you know, Michael, he went to uh, Taft High School, one of, the, one of my competitor high schools out there in, in, in the San Fernando Valley, so – yeah, man. So I'm always rooting for him, but it seems like he just can't get right. It seems like he's been out the league for what two years now, maybe even three. He, it's hard to come back and be a top caliber player after sitting out for a long period of time. A lot of leg injuries, a lot of like stuff going on there. So hopefully he can come back, but I'm not gonna hold my breath at all, man. It's sad because he. He had a moment where he was that guy. He was the man in the league for at least a good two or three years. So um, I hate to see people's careers in on injuries and stuff like that. I know he's trying to battle back. The man looks like him. <laughs> he looks like he's ready. The dude's a workout warrior. His body and everything, he looks good. But, you know, them joints and the knees and the ankles and all that stuff, man. It's a lot of stuff going on there. Top five fantasy football selection for a couple seasons there if you weren't selecting michael thomas early in that first round you were doing yourself a disservice so you talk about that and we talk about a saints offense that is going to be better than advertised you've got obviously chris Olave, he's in the building right there and then you've got 
Shahid, right? You got one of these rookie running backs, top rookie season there, top five in NFL history in yards per route run there. So you add him, you add Derek Carr, and you, we can talk about Derek Carr, and all we want is a, a, a passer and whatnot. He's not afraid to take a shot down the field. He's got Olave, he's got Shahid. You add Michael Thomas to that mix. A.T. Perry's a guy that they got as an undrafted AT, free agent. I mean, there, yeah. there is a lot of good pieces that this Saints offense can put together, and that's not including losing Alvin Kamara probably for the first six weeks. That's not including a guy named Kendra Miller or a Jamal Williams. So there's a lot of good pieces in this Saints offense that could be productive, which means if Thomas was healthy, and that's a key here, if he's healthy, he could have a good season. Except I think at this point he is what he is, and we can't expect him to play more than 10 games. I think if we get 10 games out of him, I think we'd be happy. Right. Now, speaking of being happy, is there any place in the National Football League that would make fantasy managers happy to have Carson Wentz land on? Matt, really with that question, dude, like Wentz is a – he should be a – maybe, like I said, he could probably make a great coach sometime or figure that out, but him playing, I think – his ego or something something mental is going on there i think when they won the championship without him i think it kind of messed him up because it seemed like he can't recover from that so hopefully he can get on some team but i where would he go maybe be a mentor to like uh ritter like in atlanta maybe or wherever you have like a young quarterback maybe carolina maybe houston yeah, maybe Houston might be a good spot for him. He can, like, you know, get some reps early, maybe start two or three games, and then, uh, you know, let the young guy come in. But I really don't see a spot for him as a starter, maybe as a backup, and for sure as, like, a quarterback coach or something, I think he'll be all right. I don't even know if he'd get the respect from the players if he became a coach. I mean, it, a lot point. of things we've heard <laughs> – a lot of things we've heard is he hasn't been a leader of men at any of the stops that he's going to, whether it's Philadelphia or Indianapolis or even Washington. So I think that is going to be a very interesting thing. Do I think he could be a backup quarterback? Yeah, he'd have to swallow his pride a little bit. And if he wants that second paycheck, he may have to do that. But like I said, this this carousel of quarterbacks, it's starting to pretty much bear nothing. Like you mentioned Houston. Well, Davis Mills is still there. Case Keenum is there. Then you mentioned Carolina. Right now, Bryce Young is the backup quarterback to Andy Dalton. And let's let's True. put a little respect on Andy Dalton's name. When he was in New Orleans last season, he wasn't that bad, right? He wasn't that bad. He wasn't great, but he was a startable quarterback. <laughs> Go look the numbers up. Look the numbers up. The numbers don't lie. Okay, Andy Dalton was a serviceable quarterback that got a lot of disrespect, a lot of hate because he is. Andy Dalton. So I think I would take now. Wentz. I would take Wentz over Dalton. All right. Is that no? I don't think I would. Really? I really don't. I, I think I'd rather have the red rifle there. I'd rather have right. Andy Dalton out there tossing than Prince Charles or Prince Henry or whatever the heck Carson Wentz is. Now, another quarterback there that's on the market who's not retiring, he's gone out there, he said he's not retiring is Matt Ryan. But while he waits for a job to open up, he's going to go up to CBS there and go run some things in the booth there with Jason Witten and Tony Romo and all these other guys. Do we see a situation where Matt Ryan could return to the field in 2023? Absolutely not. His last outing was really sad. You know, you ever watch like the boxer who just that one too many matches and just like I didn't want to see my man go out like that because he like noodle arms, slow, 
wrong reads, anything that you can think of, like maybe he reverted back to like a rookie quarterback or something. I don't know what happened. It's just, it wasn't pretty. And, and it was, it was sad. It wasn't like I was rooting against him or anything. It just like, I didn't want to see him go out like that because he had a really good career. He was MVP caliber for a few years as well out there in Atlanta. So um, it just, it's just hard to see players fall so, so fast. And we have a lot this season, like Ezekiel Elliott and, and who else? There's some other running backs that's out there still in the market. You have Matt Ryan. There's a lot of a lot of these people are doing that now. So um, I think we had a generation now where these quarterbacks and receivers and all that stuff and running backs are the age is starting to catch up to them. So I think he will be good in the booth, though. I think he'll be good on TV. He seems like he has that what they call the quarterback face, I guess, they, <laughs> that people like to see. And then, uh, you know, he's always been a cerebral quarterback. So I think he'll be all right in the booth. Now, just because I can, is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer? Ooh, he's so borderline for me. Like, I want to say yes. Because anytime, to me, anytime you have at least two or three years where you're like an MVP caliber type player, and I mean, that loss in that, that <laughs> the championship, that's going to haunt him forever. That's probably going to keep him out. But uh, I think he's right on the border. I think he needed to win that 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 game that they lost, man, and, and to lose by that big of a comeback, that might be a statement that he can't overcome. Maybe not first ballot, but he he'll get in there. Yeah, he's right in there for me with the Eli Mannings, even though Eli's got those two Super Bowls. Yeah. The Phillip Rivers, who had huge success but never got that championship. Remember. The one thing that Eli Manning and Philip Rivers never had was that NFL MVP. Matt Ryan got that. He was the NFL MVP at one point. So you look at that, and he was the most dominant passer for a time. So he he's definitely, in my opinion, I think he's very underrated as a quarterback. He's one of those quarterbacks that we don't give credit as, as much as maybe he deserves. You mentioned this new generation of players out there in the last little comment. Now, we love to see a guy get that bag, right? We love to see our boys get paid. And Quinnen Williams is out there in search of 25 to $30 million. And you know what? I hope he gets it. But what I can't stand anymore, this is becoming more and more of a thing, not just in the National Football League, but pretty much any sport out there. If I'm not going to get my way, even though I'm still under contract, I am going to scrub the team I'm playing for completely <laughs> off my social media. Like they care. Like it's affecting their bottom dollar that if you take Quinton Williams, New York Jets tackle off your thing, it's going New York or Quinton Williams and put Alabama on there. Like, <laughs> I don't get it. I don't. Why would you do that? What's the point of scrubbing your social media, taking all your pictures of you in a Jets uniform off? Is that really supposed to convince Jets brass that you are not <laughs> above the team? Or what, what? what's the point that you're trying Matt, to make? Major, talk to you, me. You sound so old right now man you know these kids nowadays you have like a hundred kids you should know more about social media psychology i'll call it i'm gonna make a book about it one day that's what they do like they do it with their friend if you have a friend that you don't like or you having a little spat you remove them off of your all the pictures you guys have together remove them you're breaking up with your girlfriend or boyfriend you take them off the thing and then you get back with them and you put them back on again it's just a way of saying it's a passive aggressive way of saying like, hey, I'm upset at you and we need to work some stuff out. So come and talk to me because I think I don't know. You're right about the organization. I don't think at the top brass, they don't care. But there's someone in that organization, maybe some PR person or whatever, 
somebody's going to the player and saying like, hey, what's going on here? Why you scrub us? And now I have your attention. So I think all it is is to get attention. It feels like Mean Girls. It's, it's what it is. It's, <laughs> it is. It's mean it's, Girls. It's that's, like, that's what it is. One of, my, one of my favorite shows all time is Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know if you're yeah, familiar Nine-Nine. with Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But there's a one one episode there where Gina is essentially they're, – they're trying to make a bet to see who can get Gina to look up from her phone. And they're all trying all these different things. And Terry out there, Terry Crews, who is married with multiple children in the show, puts on Facebook, uh, relationship status, complicated. And then Gina's like, Terry, what's going on? He goes, right. oh, I win the bet, yada, yada, yada. And then his wife calls, right? Yeah. That's what it feels like. It's like, okay, Quinn Williams is putting like relationship status. It's complicated. Waiting for the Jets to call and go, what are you talking about? I mean, that's what it feels like. That's that's exactly what it no, feels like. No, that's exactly what it is. You you hit it right on the head. That's a perfect like uh, scene, movie, I mean, show. Nine-Nine is one of the great shows, but – you hit that on the head, man. Like if that, and it's not just in sports. It's every, like you said, it's in basketball, it's in football, it's in real life. Like I've seen it with my daughter and her friends. Like it's just what they do now. So we have to kind of embrace it. Are you going to just be that old guy yelling, get off my lawn? And I don't think you want to be that. I don't, do you? I don't, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's exactly <laughs> who I am. <laughs> And speaking of that, I'm going to go into our new segment. We're going to call this Fantasy Man. The Fantasy Man. And this is going to be loosely based on, I don't know if you've played this game, Major, where you've typed in a Florida man and the date. Well, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to type into our Google search a Florida man, May 17th, and see what comes up. So as I research here, Florida man, May 17th, Florida man steals alligator from golf course. Tries teaching it a lesson by throwing it on a roof of a bar. Shout out to Florida. <laughs> oh, I love Florida. This is going to be the greatest segment of all time. I got right. unlimited ammunition here. So listen, <laughs> this is fantasy relevant news. It really is. I mean, we can literally be talking about Quinn and Williams right here and how he's scrubbing his social media, wanting his 25, 30 million. Well, is, is he trying to cheat, teach the Jets a lesson here and maybe taking the Jets up the ladder and trying to throw them off the roof here? Like, what is his purpose here? What is the point? Like, I'm looking at this. What is the point? Why would you steal an alligator to begin with? Who in their right mind outside of a Florida man would grab a gator and haul it off anywhere, let alone a bar? He must have been at the bar. Someone said something, and then he went back there to go get payback off on whoever took Chubbs' hand, right? Whoever took Chubbs' hand, he was going out there to get retribution, like Billy Madison style, or Happy Gilmore, sorry, Happy Gilmore style there, going after the gator again. This is what it feels like. It feels like Quentin Williams, and it's not just Quentin Williams. We've seen this a few different times throughout the whole offseason, different players and whatnot. Basically, go get that gator, steal that gator from the golf course, and then throw it out there like, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing. It makes no sense whatsoever. And yet here we are. Quinton Williams is making headlines here from taking a gator off the golf course and throwing it on the roof of a bar. No different than this Florida man. The only thing this guy from Florida accomplished through any of this is that he got in the headlines and is now on the Dynasty Vipers Viper cast. Yeah. Now, Congrats. Yeah, exactly. That's probably the highlight of his career right there. But now... <laughs> Without further ado, we are going to, in just a moment, get into my redraft rankings, quarterbacks, wide receivers, 
running backs there, tight ends. We're going to talk about it all. I got some cool little graphics, so you don't have to just see my pretty little face all over. We're going to get feedback from Major, from Tara here in just a second, and we're going to talk through these rankings and see what makes sense, what doesn't make sense. Who do I have too high? Who do I have too low? And can Tara or Major convince me to make an adjustment to my rankings? Probably not, because Probably not. deep down in my heart, I'm basically a Florida man myself. Now stay tuned as we come back for part number two. <laughs> well, we, we are going to get right into this. We're going to talk about the quarterback rankings here right now. And we're going to go through this in a little bit of a style here. Quarterbacks 1 through 5, 6 through 10, 11 through 15, and 16 through 32. And we're going to talk through how I got these guys ranked. And Taryn Major are going to tell me, that's good. That's not good. Where they kind of feel. I don't think I'm too far off considering what the consensus has for the most part. So diving right into this here at the quarterback position, no real surprise in the top five. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Joe Burrow. Now, uh, Major, when you look at those top five quarterbacks, is there any of those top five quarterbacks that doesn't belong in that top five list? Is there something you think should probably drop out of there? No, I think you got it right. I wouldn't re really replace anyone in that list. I maybe would move. Yeah, that's a hard one. I want to move uh, Josh to second and put Hertz at three and have Lamar. And, yeah, so I'll just move those two. I'll move uh, Hertz and Allen, I would say. Terry, when you look at that, is there anything that would – are those the top five quarterbacks right now in the National Football League as far as fantasy is concerned? You are uh, super low on Justin Fields. So, no, I uh, I don't agree with you. He's number five for me. You uh, mm -hmm. are really – no, 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 I take that back, number four. Sorry, now Ooh. that I look, uh, number four. Yeah, I have him above Joe Burrow. Um, I would love to hear your um, Justin Fields uh, haterism explanation here. I don't hate Justin Fields. I mean, I got him in the next group. I'm two spots lower compared to the consensus, so I wouldn't exactly call that – Haterade, like I have maybe on some of these other quarterbacks a little bit further down on the list. But for Justin Fields, I'm just not there yet. I mean, give me give me the some more passing down the field. The, the Konomi Code stuff is what's going to keep him inside the top 10. Uh, mm -hmm. I got no problem keeping Justin Fields in the top 10 as far as ranking is concerned. But I need to see how him and DJ Moore are going to work. When you look at the stats there last season with the Chicago – between the Chicago Bears – and uh, the Atlanta Falcons, they were probably two of the worst teams in the league when it came to catchable balls. Uh, I think it was Scott Barrett that put out a tweet here earlier in the day talking about uh, the uh, catch rate and the catchable ball rate for the Bears and the Falcons, basically diminishing wide receivers for those teams. Well, if your receivers are getting diminished because there's not catchable balls, that's going to affect the quarterback play and those extra fantasy points. For me, Justin Fields, he's on his way up the list. He's moving on up. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to be top five this season, but in Dynasty, I, I can see why how you could make the argument as, him, as a top five quarterback in Dynasty. But for redraft, there's too many questions right now with this Bears offense for me to put him there. I need Darnell Mooney to come back to life. I need Cole Komet to come back to life. And I was a big – you guys know me. I'm a big Mooney stan, so I'm never going to go away from him. But I need to see something more out of him. Maybe with DJ Moore being there and Darnell Mooney being allowed to be a number two wide receiver, maybe that opens things up for Justin Fields, gives him a few more weapons to work with there. But right now, until I see that catchable rate go up a little bit, 
I can't move Justin Fields up. I, I just can't do it right at this time. Yeah, he needs he needs a prove it year. Mm. I think I think this season would be good for him. And it might not even like be a prove it year. It could be a prove it six weeks or seven weeks off the get go. If he come out take that. and ball out right off the get go, I mean that could turn a lot of heads. Like I said, he's still, in my opinion, he is a quarterback one. He's just not in that top five. So when you look at quarterback six through ten, I've got it as Trevor Lawrence, uh, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields. Deshaun Watson, and then Dak Prescott rounding up that top 10. So I've got Justin Fields. He's sitting right there, two spots lower than where the consensus has him, knocking on the door, but he's still got to get above Justin Herbert, get above Trevor Lawrence, and then obviously get ahead of Joe Burrow, where I'm not there, but Tara is. Now, when you look at these guys, Tara, outside of Justin Fields being there at number eight, are you okay with the rest of this? Because there's another quarterback that got a little bit further down that I think a lot of people could make an argument being a lot higher. I'm not okay that I didn't get my Justin Fields rebuttal, but outside of that, <laughs> I am okay with the rest of this. I, I too prefer Trevor to Justin Herbert. I know people, you know, I don't know, maybe is it Justin Herbert that you feel is a little bit um, under, uh, underrepresented maybe in your uh, rankings, but I think that one's fine. Um, Deshaun Watson, I, I think that's a fine ranking. Dak, I think that's fine for him. He's a QB one, but you can't, you can't, uh, overly expect out of him that top five upside. So that's a fine position for him. So other than the Justin Fields um, lack of leap of faith, um, I'm okay with these. Major, okay. what do you think there? You, you look like you're eyeballing something there. It's not quite. Yeah, right. I'm looking at Watson. Like, I feel like he needs a proof. Like last year wasn't impressive at all. I know he came in late in the season, but you can tell the rust was there. He didn't look like he had a good grasp of what was going on in that offense. Maybe this offseason he has enough time to build on that. They do have a great team around him. But, you know, and Dak. Like, Dak is another one kind of like, uh, I would have to move. Uh, I hate even saying this. I have to move Cousins up into the, you know, into that maybe eighth rank, mate, or wait, no, ninth. Who else? Ooh. And maybe Tua. Like, we got Tua kind of low here, too, but I'll let you get going to the next phase. Yeah, when I, when I look at Watson here, I look at Amari Cooper. I look at Elijah Moore. I look at David Nojoku there. I look at Cedric Tillman. I see good options in the passing game. They've still got a good offensive line. They've probably got the best defense in the league. They literally just added Zadarius Smith. I know a lot of people don't look at defenses when they look at their offensive and the offensive rankings. But if you've got pass rushers like Miles Garrett and Zadaria Smith coming at you, that is going to get you the ball back. More opportunities leads to more fantasy production. And then as far as Dak Prescott's concerned, I mean, this is still one of the best offenses in the National Football League. And it didn't really lose a whole heck of a lot in the offseason. Say what you want about Ezekiel Elliott. I think Tony Pollard is fine. He's going to be able to do what he's got to do there. But they added Brandon Cooks to CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup. So their receiving core actually got a little bit better, in my opinion, even though they lost Dalton Schultz. But we saw Jake Ferguson in there, Peyton uh, Hendershot step up last season. So I, I like both those guys. But now when you get after that, this is where it gets interesting. So to round out my top 12, my quarterback ones is going to be Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins. Now, Jared Goff is kind of an interesting one there because that is where I'm higher on than most people there. I got him about six spots higher than most people. We're talking about an offense that was top Five last season. Jared Goff was criminally underrated. And if you're one of those people that sits back on a quarterback, he's a pretty good quarterback to go out there and get. This is still going to be a very good offense. 
They're going to get Jameson Williams back in the back end of the season. Now, his home and road splits are completely different. If he could play every game at home, he'd be the QB1. Let's call it the way it is there. So we got Kirk Cousins. And if Kirk Cousins didn't have to play a primetime game, he would definitely move up on this <laughs> list as well. If he'd a number Kirk one Cousins, Kirk Cousins is one of those other quarterbacks that's criminally underrated. He's going to slide into my top 12. That means Geno Smith comes in at 13 after throwing for 4,000 yards last season. And so that some people might kind of be like, oh, man, that's that's not right. You're, you're doing them dirty there. And then, obviously, Aaron Rodgers, to a tug of below, I would love to move him up. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle. When you got those weapons, you should be moving up. But I still don't trust the health. It's going to be a concern. That head injury is one hit away. I know everyone's one hit away in the National Football League, but it seems like that's more intense when you look at that. And then you can continue on here. Derek Carr is a guy I really like. We talked about this with Michael Thomas when we talked about our news and notes. He's going to be throwing to potentially Michael Thomas, but we know he's going to be throwing to uh, Shahid. We know he's going to be throwing to Olave. We know he's going to be able to give the ball to Kendra Miller and – uh, Jamal Williams is going to be there in the backfield. A.T. Perry can step in. Like, I mean, there's going to be weapons there for Derek Carr to work with. And then around out the rest, of it, you got Daniel Jones at 17. Anthony Richardson, who I'm a little lower on at number 18. Now, Richardson for me is a very interesting one because he could, he could be one of those quarterbacks that could sneak himself into the top 12 thanks to the Konomi code abilities that he possesses. You look at what the coach of the Eagles did last season with Jalen Hurts the year before, he sees exactly the same thing there when it comes to Anthony Richardson. So that always is going to give Richardson an opportunity to slide in there. Now, when I look at, keep on going through the rest of the top 24 here, it's Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, a couple of older, older type quarterbacks there. Russell Wilson, is that receiving core going to stay healthy this season? It wasn't last season. Matthew Stafford, it's him and Cooper Cup and really nothing else in that Rams offense. Brock Purdy, I want to get in on him, but I don't know where he's going to be when it's all said and done, how quickly he heals from that UCL. Kyler Murray's dealing with some injuries himself, so I'm a little bit lower on him. Bryce Young comes in at 23, and Jordan Love comes in at 24. Tara, when you look at that, who should be higher, who should be lower? Uh, you know, the Daniel Jones disrespect, Matt. You just... You just can't stop with it. Um, I know. You get, vanilla Vic. I, 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 I got to know better than dishing Vanilla Vic. You, you got to get behind it because you can't, you cannot put a, a veteran running quarterback behind guys like Derek Carr, like Kirk what? Cousins, Geno Smith. It's almost, it's a lock for him to play. Wait, Tara, a running quarterback vet, what? He had one of the top speeds last season there before before he tripped on his own feet. I feel that was not last season. Let's like can we it seems like season? it's every season. Let's just replay that. Like, come on, man. Yeah, you can't he is literally one of the better running quarterbacks in the league. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know it makes you feel you feel uncomfortable saying it, but when you look at his stats and compare them to a guy like Josh Allen, you can't tell me that Daniel Jones is not a running quarterback. He just doesn't have the aggressive passing stats that go along with it and boost it up. But his rushing floor makes him a legitimate lock for a QB one. He will fit if he plays games. If he plays a full season, he is a low end QB one. 
that's how it would play out. They would have to dramatically adjust their offense and the way that they are adjusting it, it seems like they're trying to lean more, a little bit more into the past by at least trying to get him some reliable pass catchers in Waller, making the draft of Jalen Hyatt. So they're, they're trying there with him. Yeah, so I don't see, this goes, I don't see how this goes back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Paris Campbell. Um, I don't see how this, how this rolls back further. I think he will perform as he did last year and maybe just a tiny bit more upside. So Where do yeah, you put him? For me, he is 12. He's a low-end QB1, literally number 12. Yeah. And that, that puts you right in line with where the consensus is right now. I think, the like I said, I'm six spots lower than him. I think the consensus has him in that 11, 12 range. So you're right in there with the consensus. I'm the guy who's kind of bringing that number down a little bit, obviously having him down at 17. If he plays his game, he will finish above a guy like Dak Prescott. But you take Dak over Daniel Jones because Dak is the much safer pick. He is the steady, stable pick. So that's the justification there. But yeah, if he does exactly as he did last year and there's not regression, and there shouldn't be because he's done nothing but have positive regression as the years have gone on over the past couple of years. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with it. Low-end uh, low QB1. So Tara, if, if Saquon Barkley holds out, where do you put Daniel Jones on this list? How big of a difference, Baker, does having Saquon Barkley mean for Daniel Jones? I don't think he will. But if anything, um, if anything, it might mildly increase the way that they rely on him from a rushing standpoint. So I don't think it has an effect. I would, it would not make me move him back because for what he may lose in terms of passing ability, if they try and say, we don't have to worry about the run, you know, make Daniel Jones throw it. Uh, I think it'll probably, you know, have a nice counteract to it of him just taking off a little bit more. So I think it'll balance out <laughs> if that does happen. Tara, have you been drinking? Yes, some wine before you got on the show? What's going on here? No, if this he, is... If he doesn't, if he doesn't have Saquon, if he doesn't have Saquon, he's going to get murdered. They're going to pin their ears back and go after that quarterback. They're going to make him throw early. He's going to throw 100,000 picks, and he's going to run all over the field, and he's going to get hurt. He needs Saquon to balance out his ineffectiveness. Hmm. What's I just that ineffectiveness, like how much though? Being garbage like that's what it's, it is is it his is it his uh completion rating it ain't that oh what's the what's God. the in, what's the ineffectiveness is it sure, his interceptions if you're if you're dunking to the running back like if you're but he's not saquon didn't actually saquon really did not have a fantastic um year in terms of his um receptions out of the backfield really wasn't that good that's one of the bones to pick that i have about him but what about they have other running backs too? Like they was throwing it to and and throwing five yard passes. He wasn't throwing a ball down the field. It was no receiver to throw it to. Was, are we gonna slander Richie James and, <laughs> and Isaiah Hodgins like that? Darius Slayton. Come on now. It I was like the, Slate, the most the sweetest little ragtag group of you know guys making it. Now they've you know got their contracts and everything. Come on. This is a you good sound story. just Major. like New York. You sound like the Giants Come fans on. everywhere, every season, just like the Cowboys. It's oh my story. god, preseason champions every year, and then the season starts and we come back to reality. But Matt, can you explain to me why you have my man A Rich? I love him so much, Anthony Richardson. I think he's going to be a good, great quarterback, but having him in the top 20 and he hasn't even touched the field yet. I think we're before, falling in love with the offseason again. Before Matt explains that, let me say, I don't even think that's aggressive because from what I've seen, people are taking him super early in these mock drafts. They are being like, it's it's getting very aggressive as people start to 
feel he is the locked in starter. So I don't even but think he Matt's won, aggressive on this. Yeah, one. he won the the shorts and shirt competition. Like he's the greatest quarterback to ever play in the offseason. So, you know, and even having like, you know, at this point, I don't even think he's going to start for at least half the season. First off, if I'm not part of the shorts and t-shirt competition, you can't claim no champion. It's it's that uh, simple, right? I'm yeah. gonna go there right now. Two, I'm actually lower on Richardson than the consensus. The consensus actually has him as QB 15. I got him at QB 18, so I'm kind of lower on him, and I think he's got one of those higher ceilings. And it's nothing to do with him as a passer. You look at how Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, how they came into the league and still had success and were fantasy relevant off the get-go is because of their ability to run the ball. And this may actually hamper Jonathan Taylor and those touches on the two, on the three-yard line where he's getting those rushing touchdowns like Jalen Hurts. Remember, all Jalen Hurts has to do is push forward. The dude can, like, literally push both an offensive and defensive line two, three yards, right? We've got that quarterback sneak. Richardson's bigger and stronger. The dude's, like, 244 pounds. He is not a little dude. He is... He's the biggest freak that's ever tested. I mean, he was more of a freak than Vernon Davis, for crying out loud. So I think having him at 18 is actually too low. That being said, other rookies involved, like I said, we had uh, Bryce Young at 23, uh, Jordan Love at 24, and then at 25 was C.J. Stroud, Jimmy Garoppolo at 26, Kenny Pickett at 27, Sam Howell at 28, Mac Jones at 29. That hurts me a little bit. Desmond Ritter at 30, Ryan Tannehill at 31, and Baker Mayfield at 32. <laughs> I don't know what to make out of that group from 26 to 32. It's like shoveling crap from one pile to another and then grabbing that pile and moving to the other side of the barn. That's basically what Garoppolo, Pickett, Howell, Jones, Ritter, Tannehill, and Mayfield all shape out for me. There's nothing in there that I'm like, oh, yeah, that's that's fantastic value there. That's a, that's a modified number two quarterback. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo potentially can move up because he has some options there in the past game. Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams. I think Hunter Renfro is probably not going to be there post-June 1st, so that's one less uh, pass catcher for them to have in uh, Las Vegas. Is there any of these quarterbacks, Tara, I'll go to you first, that has the potential to be a set-it-and-forget-it quarterback? Remember, Ryan Tannehill just a few years ago was that quarterback. He was a top-12 quarterback. Is there anyone on this list that could surprise? Oh, man. Um, no. No, <laughs> I don't think so. And that's not to knock some of these guys because I'm, you know, I feel more positively about Sam Howell than people, but not so positive to the point where I think he has legitimate. Just statistically, I don't think that QB1 is within the right the realm of possibility for him this year. Maybe he can get there. Um, we know Mac Jones, no Tannehill. Yeah, he can, but I don't think you can even, you know, take that risk of drafting him that way. Something goes slightly sideways and all of a sudden we see Will Levis. So, yeah, I uh, no, this group right here. Some potential uh, QB2s, but um, no QB1 upside. I think you're sleeping on Sam Howell. I know you gave him a little love right there, but y'all both are really sleeping, sleeping on Ritter like What's going on? He has two of the best, like, young receivers in the game. Well, one being a tight end, but you got at the end of the season, Ritter was like, he was throwing that ball around, he was slinging the ball, man. Like, I don't understand. Like, y'all be sleeping on the man, and they have a running back now. It's going to be a lot of dink and dunk going on. There's going to be a lot of 
don't sleep on, on Ritter. I think he's going to have a way better season. And the dude's a winner. You see what he did at Cincinnati. Like, no one even knew what Cincinnati, like, really was until he got there and figured it out. But I would move Kenny Pickett down. I would move Jimmy G down. And I would move Sam up. And I would move Dez up. Tannehill always finds a way to be okay. So I don't know if he's, like, the second to last. But, you know. And I would CJ, he, you know, he's young. These young guys, I think we give the young guys way too much love without even touching the field yet. I so I I'm gonna anticipate that your reasoning, Matt, just based off of me like peeking at your running back rankings, is very similar in the fact that not that I don't like Desmond Ritter. Um, I think that he can manage the offense better than people expect he's probably a game manager than but, that i've ever heard um no, no no i'm not calling i'm not saying he's a game manager i'm saying that is how he will be essentially utilized because they want to be an aggressive run offense and there's just going to be way too much volume on the ground even though i think there's going to be a decent amount of volume through the air not enough to give him massive upside um so i don't it's not not a knock on him i just don't think that his utilization is going to amount to a ton, unfortunately. You're absolutely right. Two words for you, Arthur Smith. When Ryan Tannehill was his most successful is because Arthur Smith was running the ball there in Tennessee, which meant that Ryan Tannehill had to be efficient with his opportunities, and he took advantage of that. He also had a guy named A.J. Brown out there that's one of the best yards after the catch runners in the National Football League. Drake London, not quite there, very good one of the top young receivers in the game today, yeah. Kyle Pitts. Hey, you know what? We want Kyle Pitts to be something. And until he is something, what well, what can you say? I mean, we can hope. I mean, it's like the Tommy boy. I mean, I could stick my head up a bull's ass there and uh, tell you there's a T-bone in there, but I'd rather take the butcher's word for it. And right <laughs> now, the butcher ain't telling me nothing on Kyle Pitts. Well, couldn't we, we say really the same that. thing? Shouldn't we, couldn't we say the same thing for all the rookies you had ranked of, uh, atop all these veterans? Could we? I'm sure we could, but we could also say that about everybody. And and also I mean, Ritter had 26, 33, 26, and 30. The last game he had 30, 244 yards and two TDs. Like, if they throw the ball 30 times, I'm happy with that. He's going to be all right. Yeah, but they're going to feed right. Vijan Robinson. It's going right. to happen. But it's going to be a lot of catches in there, I think. I think he's going to I think he's gonna have like an Austin Eckler type of uh, effect on his game. Well, I'd love to sit here and keep on debating the quarterback position because Major has Desmond Ritter as a top 12 quarterback heading into 2023, which I think would be interesting. But just to kind of recap, we've got Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow in the top five, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Herbert, Justin Fields, Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, six through 10. 11 through 16 is Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Geno Smith, Aaron Rodgers, Tua Tagovailoa, and Derek Carr. 17 through 24 is Daniel Jones, Anthony Richardson, Russell Wilson, Matthew Stafford, Brock Purdy, Kyler Murray, Bryce Young, and Jordan Love. And to round out the top 32 is C.J. Stroud, Jimmy Garoppolo, Kenny Pickett, Sam Howell, Mac Jones, Desmond Ritter, Ryan Tannehill, and Baker Mayfield. Now turning our attention to the running backs here, we're going to talk about running backs here heading into 2023. And I'm going to kickstart this with a top five. We're going to go through at least 40 running backs here and we're going to wrap the fire Taryn major are going to pick one or two from each little area that we go on and talk about whether they're too high or too low. Like we did with the quarterback position earlier on at number one, it's Christian McCaffrey. You still get yourself a wide receiver and a quarterback. Now Elijah Mitchell could have something to say about that, 
much like he did when he was healthy last season. So that's something to kind of keep an eye on there. I don't know if Christian McCaffrey is going to be my number one when this season kicks off because Elijah Mitchell is a real threat. At number two, Bijan Robinson. People ask, why are you so low on Desmond Ritter? It's because they got Bijan Robinson. It's that simple there in Atlanta. This is one of the best running teams in the National Football League. Arthur Smith loves to run the ball. That's not going to change. At number three, just because I know Tara's on the show, it's Austin Eckler. Regardless of his feelings for the Chargers and how the Chargers truly feel about him, he is still a PPR machine. At number four, because it's my rankings, Josh Jacobs. Put some respect on the man's name. All he did last season was lead the league in rushing. At number five, Jonathan Taylor. This could go one of two ways there with Anthony Richardson under center. He could either be leaned on even more in the running game or he could lose some touches there inside the goal line. When you look at those top five major who are you taking out? Because there's someone there you've got to want to take out of that list. Uh, man, again, the rookies, like at one and two, and uh, I hear what you're saying. I think he's going to have a lot of attempts. He's going to get that, that target share. But, man, I can't put him over all these veteran guys. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a bounce-back season. I will move him up maybe to two. Why are you shaking your head? Josh, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is going to be Josh Jacobs again. You have Jimmy G there. Jimmy G can't throw the ball further than five yards. So you're going to get some receptions like added to his game now. And then you have Eckler. He's always finding his way. He may have talked his way out of being a top, a top five guy, you know, holding out and stuff. I don't know the team is going to really reward him with like giving him the ball. They have a lot of receivers out there now. So this, this this is up I and mean, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, I think like you said, Eli is going to be up there with with him. I think that's a one A one B type of situation. So he might not have a, enough shares to be that one guy. Terry, you missed the start of the show here on the podcast where Major basically said, "I'm that guy that's yelling on my lawn and yelling at old things." Major's got this thing for young people that apparently he's yelling at them to get <laughs> off his lawn because they're not allowed on the field with him. But you can't be number one if you've never played, if you've never touched the ball. Come on. He did. He, he owned it there in Texas. I mean, I, I feel pretty good about that. I feel that we are going to get a Bijan Robinson type season like we saw from Ezekiel Elliott as a rookie, like we saw from Saquon Barkley, like we saw from Kirsten McCaffrey. These I are guys so. that had high draft capital invested in them, their rookie seasons, and they came out and the team fed them. So expect that to go. Tara, what do you got? Oh, man. I um, cannot – in, uh, I agree with you on Jonathan Taylor, um, opposite of major as always. Uh, I cannot in good conscience say that I truly believe that he can be the RB1 or RB2 overall, just because when you look at what he had to do to reach RB1 before, to think he's going to be able to achieve that with Anthony Richardson, I, that's, Wait, that's tough. You- you guys That's keep saying so Anthony's going to be the Anthony's not going to start for like the first like six games. No, they're sending him out. Put some Minshew. <laughs> I, love in there. But I mean, to cut I love Minshew. Yeah, I love Minshew. Um, it would that would benefit me in a dynasty team greatly. <laughs> yeah, um, but <laughs> Minshew madness, let's go. But no, unfortunately, um, I do think it's going to be Anthony Richardson from the jump, which does not bode well for touchdowns. Unfortunately, for Jonathan Taylor. Um, Bijan, I just, I, it drives me crazy how nobody believes in Bijan. I'm not as aggressive as you, Matt. I have him at, um, RB4. Um, but, you know, he can, you know, it's, it's tough, but, you know, 
you're taking a little bit of a gamble there because again, he is a rookie. So I get that major. But the problem is, is that when you look at that Atlanta running offense, knowing that it's going to do exactly what it did last year, and you can even look at the splits in the time with Tyler Algier, when he was, you know, with Desmond Ritter, when Desmond Ritter was quarterback um, for those last several games and Tyler Algier over that time period was given those RB1 type of numbers with like 20 carries or so. Over that time period, he was RB5. So to say that Bijan can't be a top five running back, to me, your argument would have to be that he is not as talented as Tyler Algier. And I don't feel like anyone would make that argument. So you have to sit there and just like do the math and say, if Bijan is on the field and has that pass catching upside, RB five, top five um, running back is just well, like easily within the realm of possibilities for him. So I love him as a top five running back. Uh, Number two, I can't put him above Austin Eckler because, you know, for the time being, he is still in L.A. And I don't think that that's going to change. But um, overall, um, I'm OK with this grouping. It's higher on Josh Jacobs than um, than I am, but uh, I'm with you there. I'm on the side that he will um, at least come close to repeating last year. So I'm not downgrading Jacobs a lot. And real quick, the running game in Atlanta ran the ball every play because they couldn't pass the ball. Like nope. it was no way for the pass ball. And then they put look a rookie look in. At the, and like, look at the numbers on. with Desmond Ritter. No, no, no. You I admit it. They gave Desmond, but you admit it. Yeah. They gave Desmond Ritter better. Look, like compare the uh, passing stats and the passing volume of Marcus Mariota to Desmond Ritter. You are correct in the fact that they gave more volume to Ritter. And even in giving more volume to Ritter, getting him to that 30 level, you know, a good, decent level that we can expect him to have this season, still, Tyler Algier was a top five running back. Tyler has yeah. 17, 18, 20, and 24. But now Bijan he's sharing can't. that. Bijan can't do that. But he's sharing that with, like, Tyler still is going to be in the mix. They're sharing. They're going to share the rock. They're not going to be, like, all Bijan. Yeah, in in the mix. Like 15 of course not, because they rushed, Of course, because they ran the ball over 500 times. Like, they're not giving all of that to Bijan. But there's, there's more than enough volume for Bijan to have those 20 carries a game stats and for Tyler Algier to still be involved. So I still do like Tyler Algier as a good handcuff, but Bijan is still going to get the majority of the workload. Yeah, Bijan's on. He's going to get 300 touches this season. It's, it's that simple. Bijan's getting 300 touches. Tyler Algier is a league winner. Tyler Algier is a league winner. If something was to happen to Bijan Robinson, I'll put it that way. Now from six to 12, there's a little bit of controversy in this part of the rankings here, especially when I look at the consensus. At number six, Nick Chubb. At number seven, Derrick Henry. At number eight, five spots lower the consensus is Saquon Barkley. At number nine, Brees Hall. And here's where I have fun. At number 10, Der uh, David Montgomery from the new what is the Detroit Lions here. And I'm going to explain this one in just a second. At number 11, J.K. Dobbins, 10 <laughs> spots higher. And at number 12, Najee Harris. Now, I don't need to explain Nick Chubb or Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley or even Brees Hall because I think Brees Hall is going to be ready week number one because of where, when his injury happened there. I think he's going to be good to go. I'm not going to think he's missing a whole heck of a lot there. But David Montgomery, listen, I don't care about Jameer Gibbs. I think Jameer Gibbs is going to also be a top running back, but he's going to make his hay in the passing game. He's going to be what they wanted DeAndre Swift to be last season. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to line up on the outside. He is going to be a primary pass catcher for this Detroit Lions team, which means David Montgomery is going to handle the load between the goal lines, much like Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams had 17 touchdowns last season, running behind an offensive line, 
that had averaged 1.84 yards per carry before contact. You give David Montgomery that kind of run, he is going to produce in the run game. And he can catch the ball out of the backfield. So Detroit is going to be able to go out there and create mismatches all over the field, especially once Jameson Williams comes back and is able to stretch the field after his six-game suspension is served. Amonra St. Brown is going to do his thing. Sam Laporte is going to open up things in the middle. Jameer Gibbs is going to create you're not you can't put a safety on him. You can't put a linebacker on him. You sure heck can't put a corner on him there working out of the slot. That is going to open up a lot for David Montgomery and J.K. Dobbins. I love this Baltimore Ravens offense because you can't focus on the run. You have to focus on the run because Lamar Jackson can run. Gus Edwards can run. J.K. Dobbins can run. The biggest difference here in Baltimore is they've got guys to pass the ball to. Mark Andrews, Rashad Bateman. When Bateman and Jackson were both together, Jackson was averaging over 35 fantasy points per contest. Then you add Odell Beckham Jr. You add Zay Flowers through the draft. There is options in this passing game, which means you can't focus, keep your eyes on that backfield. And then obviously at number 12, Najee Harris, I think we're talking PPR. He is going to be effective once again. He had a bit of a down year. I'm not quite high on him like where I was maybe a season ago where people had him in the top five as far as running backs are concerned. But I think he can be a RB1 next season. Now, Major, you shook your head. You rolled your eyes so far like a teenage girl there when I mentioned David Montgomery and J.K. Dobbins. Yeah. Tell me why they can't be top 12 running backs, especially one David Montgomery has averaged the last three seasons RB19. No, I think you're right about your assessment of them. I just think your ranking of them is just out of control. I see some people below. I don't know how to play it. I think I want to wait. Because I think you just disrespected like one of the guys, and I don't even know what's going on in your brain right now. But you know, I would move Najee up a little bit because he is going to have those, uh, you know, that catching a passing game. Um, you know, Brees Hall coming off that injury. Uh, you know, you have you have Brett. I said <laughs> Brett Favre. You have Aaron Rodgers out there now. You know, Aaron is going to want to like throw the ball all over the field. I think Saquon should be moved up. Derrick Henry to me seems like. He's slowing down just a tad bit. Like he he can still give you those games where he goes crazy, but is not as consistent as it was. Uh Nick Chubb, I think he's done some like knee injuries and stuff like that. Now, those two older guys, we can probably move down a bit, move Saquon up. Ah man, it's just hard for me to say David Montgomery in the top 10, dude. Cause you're disrespecting my guy. And I think you did it on purpose just to like piss me off. And I think it's working, but I'm gonna let Tara go because I'm about to get mad. <laughs> Um, I don't even know where to start, Matt. Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> um, I've been with you. I've been with you the whole time. And now we've gone so far apart. Uh, so far apart. Um, this is where guys like Ramondre Stevenson and Tony, Tony Bollard are locks for me. Um, you know, Saquon is too low. I understand. Maybe there's, you know, kind of worrying about a holdout there that's got, you know, I hope that's the reason that he's ranked down. Otherwise, I don't, I don't quite understand it. David Montgomery, I'm not there. I'm never going to be there. And I like David Montgomery. Right. I just don't think that that is within. I, I get the Jamal Williams thing, but that was a that was a special situation where a lot of things tilted the right way for Jamal Williams to get those numbers. And I have a little bit more faith in the upside that Gibbs can bring to the role compared right. to the way that you know DeAndre Swift was minimalized in that offense just because of the way that they – unfortunately felt like they couldn't rely on him. Um, JK Dobbins, I'm not there either. Um, 
Najee is the only one that I'm there on. And I would have him a little bit higher. I would take Najee all day, every day um, over uh, David Montgomery and J.K. Dobbins for sure. For sure. Right. The reason Najee is lower is sometimes a guy hurts you. And Najee Harris <laughs> hurt a lot of people. And I'm not quite ready to trust him yet. And you look at some of these guys coming up on the next thing here, like 13 through 24, and you mentioned Ramondre Stevenson, who I had at 13. Consensus has him three spots higher than I do. His ADP has him one spot higher. So it's not like there's a huge disconnect there. Tony Pollard, you could make an argument because that's a difference of six. Dallas offense, they didn't really get another running back to kind of compete with Tony Pollard. So I could see how someone could make an argument. But we still got him just on the outside of that top 12. And it's not that I don't like these two running backs. I just really like the guys I have ahead of them that much more. Now, at 15 is one of my other guys I think could have a big season. He was kind of knocked for his efficiency last season, and that's Rashad White. And the reason for this is I'm not the biggest PPR guy, but when there's potential here, for a huge PPR season out of Rashad White. He had, I think, the 12th most targets for running backs last season. He had a top five uh, target share rate last season. And Leonard Fournette is no longer there, who ran the second most routes last season. You put that all together, and all you added was Chase Edmonds and Sean Tucker's an undrafted free agent. That folds well. Oh, don't agree. I love myself, Sean Tucker. Go check out my Twitter handle. There's people bookmarking that tweet, ready to throw it back in my face at the end of the season. (laughs) That said, this is is telling me that Tampa Bay believes in white. Regardless of what the rest of us think, if they're not going to draft high or sign a big-name free agent, they must feel good about what they have in Rashad White. At 16, Aaron Jones. At 17, Jameer Gibbs. At number 18 is... Uh, Cam Akers, who apparently I'm higher on than most people there. I got him five spots higher than his ADP and three spots higher than his consensus. At 19, Travis Etienne, a little bit lower than most people. That could spark a little bit of controversy. I'm still not sold on him as that between-the-tackles type runner. I think he's a home run swinger. I think he's a good pass catcher. Except Jacksonville, for whatever reason, didn't use him last season as much as you would have liked to see him being used in the passing game. At number 20, Joe Mixon. This comes down to off-the-field type situations. This goes to contract-type talk. We don't know if he's going to be a June 1st cut or what the situation is, as Cincinnati needs to free up some money. So where does he end up? I don't know. Damian Pierce, I man, I wish they would use him in the passing game so I could move him up higher. They don't. Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet is a real threat. So is mm-hmm. Kenny McIntosh. So is Jackson Smith and Jigba in the passing game. We know Walker doesn't catch passes. And then you add some more talent around there. Those touches are going to go down for Walker, which hurts his value a little bit. At uh, 23, I got Isaiah Pacheco, who I actually like, who I can see moving up this list, as most people, if you're looking for that, say you go anchor running back or you go zero RB, Isaiah Pacheco could be that running back you need to target later on in your drafts. And at 24, Dalvin Cook, simply because we don't know where he's going to be. I don't think the Minnesota Vikings are going to hang on to him. If you want to talk about Quinn and Williams there and all these teams scrubbing their social media, check out the Minnesota Vikings banner. They took Delvin Cook off that banner and they put Alexander Madison on there. That has got to be an indication that Delvin Cook may not be in their plans this season. So, Tara, when you look at this, what do you got for me? This portion is not as egregious other than the top portion that we already talked about. I don't have the faith in Rashad White and it has nothing to do with him. It's just that I don't think we understand the level of depth that Tampa Bay offense could go into. Like it could be epically bad. Do we have a 
do we have a, like a, you know, we had the sever for Trevor, you know, tank for Tua. Do we have like a Caleb Williams, you know, kind of, you know, thing officially yet? Because I think crashing that, for Caleb or crashing something for like Caleb. That. There we go. Yeah. I think that might be what's going to happen here. Cause That's I just, great. I, I don't feel positively about this at all. Um, and I, I, and I know the PPR upside because, you know, again, similar to last year, um, we've got the situation where even though yards per carry were horrendous, like uh, at a level that is inexplicably bad and it was not Rashad White's fault, it was the offense and the offensive line. I don't think that that area is going to improve. And I don't know if we're going to see the massive Tom Brady vom- volume of dump offs that we saw. I think that's going to go down. And so I don't have that level of, I, I, I struggle with Rashad White because I want to, I want to rake him higher because I do think he's going to be the RB1. I do believe that Sean Tucker can make that push. So I'm, you know, grabbing up Sean Tucker because that's, you know, a real thing that could happen if he stays healthy. But I just, I just, I struggle with White. I really do. The Sean Tucker thing, like I said, go back on my social media, check out my Twitter. The reason Sean Tucker dropped was not because of lack of talent. It's because at the Combine, during the medical checks, he had a heart condition, an ongoing heart condition. So he was unable to participate in the combine. Now, when they did their recheck, he was given the okay to participate in his pro day. He participated in his pro day, put up impressive numbers, but yet heart condition coming off of everything else that we've seen in recent history, probably scared a lot of teams away from investing draft capital in a very talented player. Can now, we, 20... can we stop playing and like let me get what I got to say off? Like you just try to pass by the disrespect that you're giving to my man, Ramondre Stevenson. What is wrong with you, Matt? You do it again. I'm coming to Canada. And I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> stop it. First off, I'm gonna come down to the states. If you can make your way to Canton, you can kind of. You can, I'll get you a step stool, and you can step up, and you can try and slap me. I'll slap in your big belly. Hey, Ramondre finishes a top ten, and you go drop him. But um, Jones can't throw the ball. They're not going to throw the ball. They're going to run the ball every play. They went out and got another running back. What's my man's name they picked up? He played for Jacksonville. James uh, Robinson. Picked up James Robinson. They're both are going to have like 100 carries a game. Like, they're, I don't think they have any faith in in, in your boy McCorker over there. And then the disrespect for Travis Etienne, the man is like going to be the starting running back on the hottest offense in the game you know what i mean like this is the youngest hottest offense in the game there's going to be fireworks everywhere everyone's going to eat there uh you just messed this whole list up at the bottom here man we got to move white down aaron jones why does no one respect aaron jones when he only puts up numbers i think i got him right where he wants i got him one spot lower than his uh, than the consensus and i got him one spot higher than his draft position I would take Aaron Jones over Rashad White. Way better than that. I would take him over Tony Pollard. I would take him over. I wouldn't do that for sure. Devin Montgomery. Like I would move him into (laughs) that top twelve list. Like what? I feel that there needs to be a wager on David Montgomery versus pretty much anyone you want to put out there, Major. I, I, you know, can we piggyback on that? How much money can we make off this major? I'm about to say, like, do you, like, uh, I don't want to say too low. I don't want to go too low. So we might have to discuss this offline, but I'm taking all bets because, I mean, if you're thinking he's going to, he's not, he, don't get me wrong. I do like David Montgomery. I think his style is dope. I do like White. I think his style is dope. But knowing Matt, these are his guys. He's going to push his guys. Neither one of those dudes should be in the top 15. 
That'll be interesting. I can't wait to see the end of the season, and I'm going to make sure we cut this clip here just so I can throw it out there and give David Montgomery! <laughs> I will even I will put Cam above like all these guys because the Rams have no other options. You can't throw the Cooper Cup every play. They're going to try to. They're going to throw the ball every play to Cooper Cup, but you're every now and then you're going to have to run the ball. And I think Cam is going to be, I think he's going to have one of those seasons. But yeah, the disrespect with my man Ramondre, stop playing, Matt. You're playing too much. Stop playing, man. Well, then you better talk to the rest of your friends that are drafting because, like I said, I'm only one spot lower than they are. Now, 25 through 40, Miles Sanders is a guy that could definitely move up into that top 24 there in Carolina. I hope they use him as a pass catcher. He wasn't really asked to do that in Philadelphia. That's kind of why he's down there a little bit. James Conner, one of those running backs that we like to disrespect all the time, and I'm doing it right here as well. Brian Robinson at 27. DeAndre Swift is interesting because he would be higher behind this Eagles offensive line. If I could trust him, and I can't trust him, your best av- ability is your availability, and he can't. I love myself some Rashad Penny, but he can't stay healthy either. You have three-quarters of a running back between these two backs. Well, that's at, disrespectful. At 29, James Cook. He would be higher if it wasn't for Damian Harris. You know what Damian Harris does to running backs. He basically vultures those goal line touches. Uh, Jamal Williams is at 30. I'm not too sure what his role is going to be there in New Orleans. He could be higher. He could be lower. Alvin Kamara could factor into the whole uh, situation there as well. Uh, Alexander Madison at 31. Again, if Delman Cook's not there, he could move up the chain of command. Rashad Penny at 32. Antonio Gibson, I'm eight spots higher on than most because I think he's going to be that pass catcher there in Washington. Much like Eric Bieniemy used Jarek McKinnon in Kansas City, I expect Gibson to be used very similar there in Washington. Uh, Raheem Mostert there. You know, A-Chain's getting all the talk. Wilson's getting the talk. Remember, he's still a guy who had over 200 touches last season, Monster did, and he's still the running back there. So I, I still like him. Samaji Pirine at 35. This number all, all obviously depends on where Javante Williams is, who is not in my top 40 because I don't think his knee is going to be ready, unlike uh, Sean Payton. Tyler Algier at 37. Major talk about... Lots of touches being available. I think Tyler Algier gets some of those touches, enough to move him up there. Khalil Herbert, Jarek McKinnon, and A.J. Dillon round out my top 40. You don't have Devontae ranked at all? Not in my top 40 because I think there's more issues with that knee than lead us to believe. I don't think he's going to be effective until week number seven, week number eight. So if you believe yeah, that, that's still then better than Samaji like... up, then if you believe that Samaji should be higher on his list. Yeah, and I'm waiting on confirmation uh, confirmation on that whole situation there. And I can't really move P Ryan up. I can't move Javante Williams up until I know more about everything there. And from what I know, I'm, I'm thinking that the Javante Williams is a lot like the J.K. Dobbins injury from a couple seasons ago, and that's kind of why Williams is down. I love myself, Williams. He's a lot higher in my dynasty rankings. But I don't know the injury, and I don't like how this was so quiet for so long without anybody knowing anything. And usually when that happens, that's not good news. No one wants to be quiet when your running back is rehabbing fantastic, right? They'd be pumping that up, letting the fan base know this and that. They've kept Javante Williams' injury quiet for far too long before Sean Payton said, yeah, he's going to be ready for camp. I call BS. I don't think Williams is going to be ready for camp. If he comes back to camp and I see him uh, participate in preseason, obviously he's going to move up these rankings. Same with Alvin Kamara. He's not in these rankings because he's going to be suspended. I think he's going to get six games. And I don't think him playing, missing six games, that's not even guaranteed he doesn't miss some time with an injury later because Kamara has missed time due to injury. So 
those numbers are based on them not being able to play enough to catch the guys that are ahead of them on the list. They're not too far off. If you look at the big, the bigger picture, they're still a top 45. They're just not inside that top 40 for me. Yeah, I think you're right about Williams. He's a, it used to take two years at least for running backs to come back from like knee injuries before Adrian Peterson. So now we expect everyone to come back like the next game, but um that knee that was one of those nasty ones where he tore like everything in the knee so i think he he will need another year that's why i think i'm much higher on samaji than a lot of people i'd love to keep it that way i'd love to grab him this low in in the draft and i think you got to put some respect on deandre swift i know he hasn't been healthy i know you guys like to make fun but in that offense it's going to be so spread out he's going to have so much room to run and do what he does he might not even get touched to get hurt. Like he, it's going to be that offense the Eagles are putting on the field is going to be fantastic. Uh, who else is on this list? I was looking at. I forgot. Damn it. Um. Yeah. I, I'll just. I'll stick with those two. All right. Well, just to recap, what we have here in the running back ranks. I'm not going to read everyone's name there, but you can see if you want to take a screenshot, you can see what we got going on there. Basically, the top twelve. In my rankings are Christian McCaffrey, B.J. Robinson, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Brees Hall. Then a little controversy at number 10 with David Montgomery, number 11, J.K. Dobbins, and then at number 12, Najee Harris. Just missing out, Ramondre Stevenson and Tony Pollard, since I feel like I need to still mention Ramondre Stevenson's name one more time. <laughs> that being said, we are going to move over to the wide receiver position. We're going to talk wide receivers here next. Now, when we look at these wide receivers and how they break down, we're going to talk 1 to 12, 13 to 24, 25 through 40, and 41 through 60, unless I lose my placing when we talk about it here. So when we look at uh, 1 through 12, Justin Jefferson, uh, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams, Monroe St. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddell, Garrett Wilson, no big surprises there compared to how the consensus has him. It's all within a couple spots, maybe a little higher on St. Brown. Then Amari Cooper I have at number uh, 12 there, which is considerably higher based on the ADP. And the consensus has him but four spots lower than what I got him. And I like Amari Cooper here because I, I do think this is a bounce back season for Deshaun Watson this season. I think it's because Amari Cooper has got some more help than what he's had there last season. Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's still there, but they've also added Elijah Moore. They also added Cedric Tillman. So there's more pass catchers involved, which will take a lot more attention away from Amari Cooper, which should give him a very productive season. Now, Tara, when you look at the top 12, is there anyone outside of maybe Amari Cooper that you'd probably slide out of there? No, I, I think that's fine. My my bone to pick comes later with you. Well, let me, let, always me let me hop in real quick because I would I wouldn't move anyone out, but like how do we have St. Brown top five over AJ Brown? Like I like St. Brown better. I think there's a very <laughs> I, no hear, hear me out there. I, I think you're talking you're talking two very good offenses. And Tariq Hill and Tariq Hill. So Tariq Hill and AJ Brown. How, how are you gonna put those two guys underneath St. Brown? A.J. Brown's problem is Devontae Smith is going to be that guy from time to time. There's weeks where Devontae Smith is going to be the better of the two wide receivers. We've seen that last season. It's not a surprise. 
For the Detroit Lions, another top offense, much like the Eagles, Monterey St. Brown is that alpha wide receiver. Yes, Gibbs is going to get his. Jameson Williams is going to miss time beginning of the season. This is PPR, so we are going to feed Monterey St. Brown, and that's why St. Brown is that guy who gets into the top five. Now, Tyreek Hill is a guy I think you could make an argument for for top five status, as he is two spots lower in the consensus rankings compared to where I have him, but... I think that's kind of where that argument is. Now, where it gets interesting is when we get into that next tier of uh, the grouping here, 13 through 24, there's some wide receivers here that you could make a legitimate argument should be in that top 12. One of them happens to be number 13, T. Higgins, where a lot of people have him considerably higher, and I can't blame him. Chris Olave comes in at 14, and then I got to get a little crazy here with Drake London. I talked about... Yeah, I know I went with the, I'm talking about this is going to be the year that Drake London may not get the targets, but he's going to be efficient with the ones that he has. And that is what this Arthur Smith offense is going to be like. A.J. Brown didn't have a whole hell of a lot of catches when he was putting up big-time fantasy seasons in Tennessee. But what he was able to do with those catches, with those touches, was manufacture fantasy production. And I think that's what you're going to have here with Drake London. That's why I'm considerably higher than him with him coming in number 15, where the consensus has about eight spots lower. So I'm much higher on Drake London. I think this is going to be his breakout season. That doesn't mean Desmond Ritter is going to have a great season. That just means that Drake London is going to be efficient with his opportunities. That said, number 16 is one of my guys, and it is Christian Kirk. We saw what he did last season when he was healthy. He was a top 12 wide receiver last season. So before people start shaking their head and me having that 16, which I think may still be too low, that is still 14 spots higher than the consensus. 14 spots higher. The consensus has a top 12 wide receiver from last season at like number 30. That makes no sense to me. Consensus has it wrong. Christian Kirk needs to be much higher. Terry McLaren at number 17. Devontae Smith at number 18. Jerry Judy at 20. Brandon Ayuk is above Debo Samuel because he's coming in number 20. DK Metcalf at 21, Samuel at 22, Tyler Lockett at 23. And we talked about Jacksonville being able to sling that ball around the, uh, the whole field there. How about Calvin Ridley at 24 in his return to the National Football League? Now, Major, where are these bones you got to pick? I'm a, I am think Tara, I've seen her face. I think we made the same face. I'm going to let Tara go ahead because all these receivers at this point to me is like mambo-jumbo. They're all – you can interchange all of them. But, yeah, you, you got kind of crazy on a couple of them. Like, yeah, go ahead, Tara. <laughs> I mean, first off, like, the, the big thing for me is the, the Devonta Smith um, disrespect there. You got to raise it up. Um, I I understand that maybe you don't believe it will stick. I know. I don't, I don't think I understand it now that I you know, just don't, kind of you know, even start, yeah. stop, start speaking. Like, I, I don't think you, you can look at his numbers from the first half of the season when they were still making adjustments in terms of working both of those receivers in, I mean, there were times where Devonta Smith was acting as then this is no disrespect to AJ Brown. Cause I, you know, I'm not disagreeing with the AJ Brown ranking. That's right about, you know, where I have him, but Devonta Smith is, you know, it's not even a one, a one B it's one a, and it's one a like slightly right there behind him. I mean, yeah, like, it's just, I can't get behind that. I'm comfortable if I'm heading into a draft and depending on my position, if I'm taking Devonta Smith, as my wide receiver one, I wouldn't mind that. 
if I now granted, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't like to go running back heavy, but if, you know, something called for that, maybe I took Travis Kelsey or something, I don't know, but he is a comfortable low end wide receiver one. So I think that he needs to be moved up higher. Um, he's right on that little wide receiver one wide receiver two cusp. So that's, you know, a big issue for me. Um, you know, I love Brandon. Ayuk. I do. Um, I do not believe that that offense will give him the volume that he needs to have in order to justify um, him being a wide receiver too, unfortunately. And I hate that for him. They push volume towards Debo. They push touchdowns towards Brandon Ayuk. So unfortunately, the level of inconsistency that you see there, you might see a solid 30 yards from him and two touchdowns. We're like the way that they utilize him. Um, is just not in the way that, you know, is consistent enough from a fantasy perspective. They believe in him. They like him. The utilization is just not fantasy football friendly. Yeah, I thought you were going to get on Christian Kirk. Like, Yeah, that I like, too. <laughs> I like Christian Kirk, but you have him way too high. You can't. How is a wide receiver two going to be ranked hard in their wide receiver one? Like, Because he was a wide receiver run. He, he was, was a top 12 wide receiver. You just gave me crap for having Ramondre Stevenson from – Running back Ted last season to running back 13, but now you want That's to put Christian brain. Kirk as a wide receiver 12, all the way back down to wide receiver 13. Zay, <laughs> Zay Jones was eating more than Christian Kirk at, at some of these games. So you have Calvin Ridley there that's going to do more. And you know what I mean? I, everyone's going to eat, but it's going to be so inconsistent. There's going to be one game that – that that Calvin's the guy's gonna be one game. That Christian's the guy's gonna be another game. That Zay's the guy's gonna be one game. When they got too many options, so I don't think he's gonna have the volume to be ranked this high. I, I don't think Zay's mm. going to be the guy with Calvin Ridley there. I think it's Cal, it's Zay Jones's production that's going to dip at the expense so. uh, with because of Calvin Ridley. I don't think Christian Kirk's numbers are going to change a whole heck of a lot. In fact, they may get better because teams have to focus on Calvin Ridley. If I'm an opposition. A defensive coordinator. I'm not as worried about Zay Jones as I am if Calvin Ridley returns to what he was in Atlanta. You remember he's missing a season there. It's going to take him a little while to kind of get back. Christian he's Kirk young. is going to fill those numbers there to begin. It doesn't matter if you're young or not. If a rookie comes into the season, he's still going to struggle the first six weeks, right? If he misses the first six weeks of the season, you can almost write off that season for the rook. So Zay Jones I, I, is is Trevor Lawrence's favorite receiver in that offense. That's like his best friend. So I so Zay will be the wide receiver three in that offense, but he will perform better than Marvin Jones did as the wide receiver three because that you know in terms of who Good can power. put up those numbers, you know, yeah. unfortunately Marvin a little old in the tooth. But so this one's tough because I get it, Matt. Like Christian Kirk again. When I look at Christian Kirk and Chris Godwin, and I don't think there's going to be inconsistency there. I think that offense is going to be firing on all cylinders. Um, I think they both have legitimate top twelve upside for real. So I, you know, so I don't have a problem with the Christian Kirk ranking. I would just never do it because there's no logical need for me to take him at number sixteen when, like, you can sit on back and wait. Um, so I'm comfortable with Christian Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I would still like Christian Kirk because uh, I do think that the volume is going to be there. I like both of them. I just wouldn't draft him there. Yeah. See, I can respect that opinion because you, like you said, you could probably sit back because we look at whether consensus has him. They got him going off as wide receiver 30. So in your head, you're thinking friends and family type leagues. This is one of those players that I really, really like that I can sit back on. But if you get into these leagues with some other guys that are really 
into it, so to speak. Like maybe guys like me, you're not going to be able to wait on a Christian Kirk because I'm probably going to jump the shark on him because I like to get my guys, especially if I'm in one of these leagues where I feel there's a bunch of sharks swimming around with me. I'm like, no, I, I can't risk it not getting my guy. So, I mean, I think it really depends with Christian Kirk, what type of league you're in, what the knowledge is, and whose rankings a lot of people are running off of. If people are like, okay, yeah, you know what? Wide receiver 30, I could probably get him in round eight, round nine in my fantasy draft. Great. I'm probably grabbing him in round six, round five, possibly, depending on what my roster construction looks like. Now, with that all being said, moving on from 25 to 40, Again, it gets interesting here, and I wanted to kind of mention I got both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett both in twenty in the top 24, even with Jackson Smith and Jigba. I do think that we are calling for the death of Tyler Lockett too early once Way again. Too early, yeah. I, I mean, Tyler Lockett, it, Twinkies, cockroaches, and Tyler Lockett, that's what's going to survive the end of the world. That's exactly <laughs> what's going to happen. Now, 25 is DJ Moore. 26 is Keenan Allen, 27, DeAndre Hopkins, 28, Marquise Hollywood-Brown, 29, Christian Watson, who I'm a little bit lower on than most, but that's because I'm a little higher on someone else, which we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, Chris Godwin at 30, 31 is Deontay Johnson. Dude, Deontay Johnson should be a lot higher on a lot of lists because the only thing holding him back last season is he didn't score a touchdown. 140-some targets, zero touchdowns. How is that even possible? I don't know. I'm not expecting that to happen again this season. At 32, Mike Evans. At 33, we're going to bring another rookie in here, Jordan Addison, who I think is going to be the highest-scoring rookie wide receiver this season. I like yeah. Addison above JSN in redraft only. Uh, 34, Mike Williams. Man, I wish the dude could stay healthy. Michael Pittman at 35. Gabe Davis, who wow. I'm tempted to bring him even lower because I just can't get behind Gabe Davis. He's one of those guys, yeah. he is so boom or bust. Right. I feel 36 is right, but I feel like I should be dropping him. So he's one of those guys that could drop real quick. 37 is Kadarius Tony, another guy that has the potential to go higher, but he's got the hamstrings to go a lot lower. 38, Jahan Dotson, 39, Traylon Burks. And at 40, JSN himself, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Major, looking at that number there from 25 through 40, how are you feeling about that? It's not bad. There's some big names. This Man, there's a lot of receivers in the league, man. This is a this is why league. I know a lot of people are in this whole zero RB thing. And you know what? That's great. If you want to go zero RB, I hope my whole league goes zero RB because I'm going to go robust RB because once you get out of round three and out of round four, the running backs dry up. And as you can Absolutely. see, Major, you just pointed out this. We're 40 wide receivers deep. And you're like, dude, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba is not a bad wide receiver to get at wide right. receiver 40. Man, and if, I can get, if I can grab DJ Moore at 25, because I think he's going to have like a, a, a same kind of effect that Cooper – cup has where he's the only option really in that offense yes they have some other guys there i get it but you don't go out and get dj Moore the way they did and don't give him the ball you get what i'm saying so i think they're going to really force the issue there and he showed you he can play he could put up numbers with pretty much nothing at quarterback so i think i'm that's the only one i feel like you're kind of low on when you said michael pippen at 35 i was like whoa that was crazy and i looked i was like eh. So I, I, I feel it. And Jahad Dotson, I think that's really one of my sleepers this season. I think he's going to have his breakout season. Man, it's a, like I said, and Christian Watson, that's one of my guys. I think this is way too low on him. He already shown he's a touchdown machine. You have a new quarterback in there. And they both 
were kind of like rookies around the same time. So they're both ran on the second team. So there's some familiar, uh, familiar, familiarity there. I can't even talk anymore, but yeah, I think they're familiar with each other. And I think he's going to have, he's going to be like that, that safety blanket for, for love there in green Bay. I know you like uh, somebody else out there. I'm gonna leave that for you. Uh, yeah, but the DJ Moore one and the Christian Watson and, Man, there's so many good receivers. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't, but having Kansas City wide receiver one this low, that's kind of crazy to me as well. Like, you know what I mean? So, but I don't think you got it wrong. It's just like that's the way that, you know, the cards fail, you know? Yeah. I mean, Kadarius Tony's a guy that go a lot higher or he can go a lot lower. I mean, and that's just the truth when it comes down to Kadarius Tony. Uh, Tara, do you have issues with that uh, 25 through 40? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm very different on Michael Pittman, but we don't even have to go into that. You guys already know. Um, Gabe Davis, I would drop him even lower. Um, no, yeah, no that's exactly there. what we were talking about. He's the no one guy that I'm, I'm a scorned lover when it comes to fantasy. And Gabe Davis is a guy I was never that high on. And he's given me more reasons not to like him than to like him here in the last couple seasons. And then the, obviously the addition of Dalton Kincaid is going to factor into things in Buffalo whether you liked her or not. So he's the one guy I'm looking at this list and I'm like, you know what? I think I got him at least 10 spots too high right now. Yeah. 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 Traylon Burks. I, that one's a little shocking to me. I mean, you talked about that, you know, I mean, tenant now granted, you know, Arthur Smith is gone, but you kind of reference that Tennessee offense and they haven't really changed the way that they operate. Um, and the only reason Traylon Burks didn't really perform up to expectations is because they, limited him severely in terms of snap count and opportunities. Um, so seeing that change and them, you know, designating him as the clear wide receiver one and that offense, I, I like Traylon Burks a lot this year. So I'm a lot higher on him. Yeah. There's two targets in Tennessee that I like and Traylon Burks is my second favorite target in this offense. So we'll talk about that on another portion of the show. Now, when we look at 41 through 60, it gets interesting because there's a lot of my guys in this range. Jacoby Myers comes to mind at 41 and his ranking this high is because like I said, I don't believe Hunter Renfro is going to be a Raider post June 1st. Then we got Darnell Mooney, who I think makes a better number two than a number one. And he could surprise a lot of people. He absolutely balled out there when yeah. Allen Robinson was in Chicago there. So I think this is one of those things that Darnell Mooney could go a lot higher. I got him obviously a lot higher than consensus, seven spots higher, 12 spots higher than his current ADP. And I feel like he's one of those guys that could rise up as the season progresses, especially with DJ Moore. And if this offense does get clicking, like Tara thinks that it can get going there under Justin Fields. Uh, Rashad Bateman at 43. George Pickens, I'm a lot lower on. I mean, the guy's got talent. He oozes talent. He can make super awesome catches. That's all fine and dandy. We just haven't been able to see him put it all together. And Kenny Pickett, honestly, I think he had the least amount of explosive passing plays last season in the National Football League. When you got an explosive type wide receiver, you need to have explosive type passing plays, and we never got that. At 45, Zay Flowers, I think he's a difference maker. At 46, Juju Smith-Schuster, a guy that I still think I'm probably too high on here, but this is probably just going back years and years worth. Oh, wait, that's exactly where the consensus has him right now as well. At number 47, Cortland Sutton. At number 48, Elijah Moore. At number 49, I'm a little bit lower on Brandon Cooks. I'm hoping he comes out and has a bigger season this season. At 50, DJ Chark with Carolina, man. I think I like Bryce Young, he's going to be that guy to stretch the field. I'm a lot higher on him. At 51, and 
I got Jamison Williams here, and I think I might have to bring him down because of that suspension. I don't know if he can make up enough ground, but at least at the wide receiver position, you can make up that ground as far as fantasy production is concerned. At 52, Tyler Boyd, a guy that needs an opportunity elsewhere, I think, in Cincinnati. 53, Quinton Johnson. At number 54, and this is the probably the biggest jump I have compared to the consensus, compared to ADP, and this is because I want this to happen. Yeah. I am go to my vision board and I'm going to put on a John Michi the third moving on up here people John Michi the third and it's not because of a lack of talent because we know that this guy can flat out fly and we know that CJ Stroke can flat out throw the ball you get Stroud out there you get Michi and you know what Nico Collins is there Robert Woods is there Dalton Schultz is there there's other options to work underneath that means Michi's allowed to go deep and make some plays I love Michi at 55 Rashid Shahid comes in here five top five rookie season when it came to yards per route run last season that nobody talks about 56 Rondell Moore 57 I hate you Alan Lazard 58 Michael Thomas 59 Again, this is why Christian Watson solo. I believe in Jaden Reed and his talent and what he can do for this Green Bay offense. I got him 48 spots higher right now than the consensus. I guarantee that the consensus is going to catch up leading up to week number one. And number 60, Zay Jones as a wide receiver three in Jacksonville. Tara, your eyebrows raised a little bit on Jaden Reed. What do you got? It's not a knock on him. I don't think it affects Christian Watson. It's two very different roles. Jaden Reed's going to be in the slot. He's filling a massive gap for the Packers. I don't think that you can look at that and say Jaden Reed is going to be taking away from Christian Watson because they're going to be running two completely separate ways. Was Jordan Reed, is he going to be considered the Cobb in that offense? Yeah. Okay. Jaden yeah. Reed is going to be whatever Jordan Love wants him to be. In college, he ran the he could run the X, he can run the, the flanker, he can run the slot. Wherever you want to put him, he's going to be that guy. Now, the thing with Green Bay is they have two big tight ends that they also drafted, which could change where you're going to line him up. If they run 12 personnel or, or 11 personnel in Green Bay, that could change things up as well. And I'm surprised. He can. He can. I say that. At the NFL level, whether or not he can, can do that, that's another story but I just don't think they will when you look at the way the offense is set up and the need that they had to fill. I did just, you, you mentioned the tight ends. We've got Christian Watson, got Romeo Dobbs, who's also a big guy as well. So, I mean, when we're just looking at how Jaden Reed fits into that offense, I think he's going to be a good, you know, PPR volume target in the slot. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just, I don't think that it's going to be affecting Christian Watson. I yeah, think, oh, I think we'll, I think when we get to the end of the season, Jaden Reed's closer to wide receiver one on this team than he is wide receiver three. I didn't say he's going to be wide receiver one, but I want to say the gap between him and Watson is going to be a lot closer than Reed and potentially Romeo Dobbs. Mm. Yeah, you skipped over that. But I'm really surprised that your man, Jacoby Myers, is this low, especially with a quarterback who's going to like check down to him like every play. If he's not and throwing for the Raiders, it, this should have been like my wide receiver one of the season. Like you, I'm throwing bets on it and wax my exactly. Tennis, like, ah. exactly. Yeah, you, those, bet, those bets will come out here before the end of the season. Don't you worry about that. Yeah, uh, I'll be moving him up because we get closer and closer. But like I said, still four spots higher than consensus, twelve spots higher than his current ADP is currently going at. But yeah, Am you I know me, I love Shahid. He should be way higher. He has a a little nickname already. Let's just go. Like. <laughs> 
And like you were saying earlier about being in leagues, I'm in like a few dynasty leagues with like some like shark sharks. Like these dudes study football. People are like agents. And I have him in that like people kind of slept on him. Same thing with John Minchie. People kind of like forgot about like all the shares. But I think he's going to be big in his offense. He's going to be in a slot. Then we're going to move him around a little bit. He's going to run those deep balls. And, you know, CJ. See, uh, uh, CJ is going to like show that he can uh, throw the ball a little bit like, you know, rookie quarterbacks like to show off the they could throw the ball long. So I, I think he's going to have some really big plays. He's going to have some like wide re- top five wide receiver. I, I take it back. Top 10 wide receiver performances in the season. So uh, I think you're kind of low on them. And again, DJ Moore is one of those dudes I really like. I think he's going to do something. I think that's it for that list. I, I like Reed, too, but I don't think he's going to be. I think this is going to be. uh Watson's offense. Well, I can't wait to see how this shakes down. I don't know if he catches him this season, but I, I really do believe in the talent that Reed has. And I think he's going to be the better wide receiver dynasty wise for this Green Bay Packers for sure. When it's all hey, said, put and some done. respect just... on Zay Jones' name too. You got him below Alan Lazard. Like, what's going on, bro? Hey, I got him at number 60. That's that's only one spot lower than the ADP, man. One I know, spot lower. Alan Lazard. I know. I, I just think him and Aaron Rodgers still got a thing for one another. It's going to pay off somewhat. I, I don't know. It, it's Alan Lazard. I, I really hate Alan Lazard altogether. I just felt like I needed to put him on the list just to say I hate him, really. That's how that, <laughs> that's how that all broke down. Like that all being said, there's the wide receiver rankings. You could take a look at that. You can screenshot that. You can save it for your fantasy drafts. But when it's all said and done, there's no big surprises. One through 11, Jefferson Cup, Chase, Adam St. Brown, Tyreek Hill, Diggs, Lamb, A.J. Brown, Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson at 12. We got Amari Cooper, 13 through 20. It looks like T. Higgins, Chris Olave, Drake London a little bit higher. Christian Kirk, that got me and Major a little excited on the show. Terry McLaren, Devontae Smith, that Tara thinks should be in the top 13 at least. And it's hard to argue because he did have a productive back end of the season there with A.J. Brown. Uh, Jerry Judy and Brandon Ayuk, who I think is going to be the more effective of the two pass catchers there in San Francisco. That all being said, you're going to want to make sure you check out our tight ends, which is coming up next. And now it's time to touch base on the tight ends. What is the fantasy wasteland, you ask? It's the tight end position each and every year. But guess what? Every year, a tight end rises from the ashes of this wasteland and becomes the phoenix of fantasy football who is it going to be this year i got a guy for you that we're going to talk about who's inside my top eight who i absolutely love is my favorite pass catcher on a certain team that being said we're going to get into it we're going to talk one through five off the get-go and really i'm probably going to catch a little flack but you know what i really don't care because i don't like kyle pitts like everybody else does again once fool me once shame on me fool me twice Get out of here. So we are now on opportunity number three to fool me, but that's Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, and Darren Waller catching passes from the Mayo Moon, the Vanilla Vic, Daniel the Jones Mayo himself. Moon now? Oh, yuck. Just got to keep throwing them in there. Oh. And I can see how people could have Kyle Pitts up there on that list. But I'm not putting him ahead of Kelsey. I'm not putting him ahead of Hawkinson. I'm not putting him ahead of Mark Andrews in redraft. I'm not putting him ahead of George Kittle, but Kittle does have a history of maybe missing a few games due to injury. That could factor in. And Darren Waller, I really think in New York, is the number one target there. And when he was the number one target for the Las Vegas Raiders, he was a top tight end. I think he was like tight end two behind Travis Kelsey there. So 
Is there a tight end there, Tara, that you would put Kyle Pitts ahead of and feel like, yeah, he's got to be ahead of this guy? Like, has to be. I mean, the only difference for me is just swapping Waller and Pitts. And the only, you know, again, you know, you can't, I don't like to say, you know, injury, injury. Um, but the combination of injury and, you know, and age there with Darren Waller could make me lean towards Kyle Pitts over him. But it's it's such a small discrepancy, honestly. I really don't think it even matters that much. So, nope, I do, uh, I do strongly disagree with you with Hawkinson over Andrews. Um, I was going to say that. Yeah, but like, do we even have to justify it? I mean, we've got Lamar in contract. We, you know, hell, cross our fingers healthy should mean good things for Mark Andrews. So that's it. I mean, I can, I can see the argument on both sides. I mean, they both got quarterbacks that target the tight end position. Kurt Cousins loves to target TJ Hawkinson, and we've seen that last season. He's also got Jordan Addison to throw the ball to. I mean, both these offenses, Minnesota and Baltimore, have a plethora now of pass catchers. I mean, Minnesota always had that. KJ Osborne, he's still there, but Adam Thielen's moved on. And obviously in Baltimore, they've added pieces there with Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers. I just think there's that one extra mouth that needs to be fed in Baltimore that could take some opportunities away from Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is going to get his. TJ Hawkinson's going to get his. I think the difference between these two is going to be very minute. So the combination of Jefferson, Addison, and KJ Osborne does not concern I'm not worried you about Osborne. than the combination of uh, does that <laughs> does not concern you more than the combination of Bateman, Flowers, Odell. OBJ. Yeah. No, it doesn't because you forgot to add the extra combination, Alexander Madison on one side, J.K. Dobbins on the other side, and Lamar Jackson running the ball on the other side. I think when you factor the run game, I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to run the ball more than the Minnesota Vikings, which means more touches are going to the backfield as opposed to the tight end position. Hold on. Wait a minute. Time out, Tara. I think the first time, I think he actually got you on one of these things. Like, what? That was a good well, job. Don't that. She's, she's going to fight her way out of this one. Don't you worry. Uh, that that was this. a good one. But that's always been the case. If that's the justification, then Mark Andrews would have never been your tight end, too. No, but TJ Hawkinson was with the Detroit Lions. He's not with the Minnesota Vikings. TJ Hawkinson was so not in that, oh, this okay. offense. So, this is a different offense than he was in Detroit. So you think that he's going to have a Mark Andrews type of season? I think he's going to have a TJ Hawkinson type season like he had on the back half of last season with the yeah. Minnesota Vikings. Hmm. I'm oh, telling you, these two guys Terry, are going to have very similar numbers. He got you on this one, Terry. He got you. Throw, throw the white flag in. The running game, no. that was he got you. I'm just looking at so if you look at you look at 2001 for Mark Andrews and look at last year from no, no yeah because we obviously can't look at last last year was just a disaster for what happened in Baltimore okay. but if you're looking at 2001 for Mark Andrews and then you look at last year which was you know technically tied in too for TJ Hawkinson the fantasy point discrepancy right there is literally legitimately 100 points my problem is, is that TJ Hawkinson was tied in too because nobody else could achieve it. He was not close to Travis Kelsey. I know Mark Andrews can get me there. I don't. TJ Hawkinson can't get me there. There's no. There's not a scenario in which I can ever well, fathom TJ Hawkinson getting close to that level. So I can't. All, I can't justify it. Okay. All I know is TJ Hawkinson only had one Pro Bowl quarterback throwing him the ball. Mark Andrews had two Pro Bowl quarterbacks throwing him the ball. <laughs> 
Oh man, you know that's wild. That's wild. I say, wait, fantasy only points I think... last year were actually not even that di- like, and you consider like the downfall of it. So that just tells you how dramatically the production dipped off from Mark Andrews last year. When you look at, there's literally like a now. Granted, I'm looking at something specific. I'm not looking at. Um, uh, I'm looking literally in a sleeper league right now. There's like a 20 point fantasy difference between overall between Hawkinson and Andrews. And obviously those are very tilted in different directions in terms of where their seasons went. But I just, I don't see a scenario in which TJ Hawkinson can get me close to a Travis Kelsey level. I don't see it. I say the, the only way I see it working in Tara's favor, because I think TJ is the wide receiver two on that team, right? Yeah, he's probably the wide receiver too. Jordan Addison's going to get his too. Jordan Addison is probably the best road runner in this class. Yeah, but he he's still a rookie. Like I don't, you know, I don't think he's one of those dynamic rookies who's going to like have like a a, a what do you call it, chase type of season. But you know, Andrews probably still the wide receiver one on that team, really, right? Yeah. So exactly, it's going to be close. And like I said, I've got this very close. The consensus and the ADP have them reverse like how Tara has them but I mean you're talking about one position in that whole thing I mean it, it's going to be close between these two as the wide receiver too I don't think either one of them is going to challenge Travis Kelsey I don't see that happening in this now six where we at here six through 13 is Kyle Pitts Dallas Goddard you can even argue I'd even argue that Dallas Goddard should be ahead of Kyle Pitts I mean I, I'm yeah, close to making that swap. I just it feels weird to have Kyle Pitts lower than six. It really does. And I don't know if that's because it's it's peer pressure from the fantasy community or what it is, but I think Dells Goddard could make an argument that he should be above Kyle Pitts. And then at number eight, your fantasy savior, Chica hmm. Conquo out of Tennessee. This is my guy. When it's all said and done, he is going to be that tight end that comes from essentially nowhere and has that big season, that top 10 fantasy wide receiver type season, because it's Traylon Burks and it is a conquo in this offense. Derrick Henry is going to run the ball, but outside of that, these are the only two. If you look at the <laughs> – sorry, I'm, I'm laughing before I even pull it up. If you look at the Tennessee Titans depth chart, as far as pass catchers are concerned, Kyle Phillips, Westbrook Akeen, I mean, those are the next two guys up after Traylon Burks. After that, it's even worse. I mean, there's nothing here. That is going to say, you know what? Maybe maybe CJ Moore or Racy McMath are going to take away some touches from these guys. I like it's Racy. Not, I do like Racy. He's like fifth, sixth on the death chart, and it is so bad. There is no way that Chigaconco is going to lose targets. He had one of the most efficient seasons here of anybody. Like if I pull it up, and I'm talking about Chigaconco here. I mean, I'll let you guys talk about him here real quick. But I'll, I'll finish talking about the rest of the guys before I come back. Evan Ingram at number nine. Hard to deny the type of season that he had last season, right? I mean, he had one of those, oh, okay. He had what we thought he could have been when he was with the New York Giants. And then at uh, 10, David Nojoku. At 11, Dalton Schultz. At number 12, uh, Pat Fryermuth. When you look at that, how are you feeling about that top 12? It's aggressive on uh, on Chig, but I, I don't I don't hate it. Um, other than that, it's all, all pretty standard. Yeah, I would keep him in the top 10, but I would probably move Evans up. And uh, I like Pat Fairmove a little bit more than uh, than uh, like Najoku never really. He's just not consistent enough for me to like put him in the top 10. And then Dalton Schultz is uh, on a new team with a young quarterback that usually 
works in the Titans' favor, favor, but I'm not sure if it's going to do that in this case because he has so much receiver talent around him. But other than that, man, these tight ends, man, it's starting to, are we going to do the whole list? Like, we can stop here, I think. <laughs> well, we're going to do the whole list because I need to get at least 10 minutes worth of uh, film on this. <laughs> like, separately. But if you look at it, four of his final six contests, going back to Chigaconquo, ended with 10 or more fantasy points. On a yards per route run basis, his 2.61 was tops amongst the position. That's right. It was higher than Travis Kelsey. It was higher than Mark Andrews. Now, you when you break that down even a little bit further, he was effective in facing both man and zone coverages, leading the tight end position against zone and was fourth amongst uh, against man coverage. And then if you want some analytics here to kind of back it up, how about over the last five seasons, there are only five players that have finished with a higher than 0.35 EPA per target, 7.9 yards per catch per reception there, and over 30 receptions. Those five players, Jamar Chase, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, George Kittle, and Chiga Conquo. There's opportunity there for a Conquo. There, there really is. There's analytics to kind of base it on here, why I think he's going to be that breakout player. And again, is it aggressive? It could be, but you look at what's happened in the past. Dalton Schultz was aggressive a few seasons ago. No one saw that. Logan Thomas was aggressive a few seasons ago. No, no one saw that. Even Austin Hooper had a top 12 fantasy football season not that long ago that no one would have predicted. So when you're looking for someone to rise, it's going to happen each and every year at the tight end position. It's just a matter of identifying who that player is going to be. Now, maybe that player comes in that 13 through 20 range because, you know me, I love myself some Jawan Johnson there in New Orleans. We know Derek Carr has a history of throwing to his tight end, Darren Waller. Jawan Johnson is another big target that he could target. Tyler Higby, as big of an ass as he is, he's still a good football player and is one of Matthew Stafford's favorite targets. Matthew Stafford's coming back. Maybe this is where we see Tyler Higby even crack into the top six. I mean, there, there's – potential and i would hate it i would hate it because he is such a dick when it's all said and done number 15 cole Komet. i was higher on him last season than i am entering this season even though i think this bears offense is better but there's more dj Moore comes in so to speak and that's going to be one more target take it away from cole Komet. at number 16 and i'm much higher on him i think he's the best tight end from fantasy for the rookie position and that's sam laporta you look at his opportunity there with the Detroit Lions in this offense. I think he's that guy that can move up a little bit higher. At 17, Michael Mayer. And number 18, Dalton Kincaid. Three rookies back to back to back, all with good opportunities. Tight end position has never been a great position for rookies in fantasy. Never has been. There's never been a – I can't remember the last time we had a great rookie season from a tight end. These three tight ends, they may not be top 12 tight ends when it's all said and done, but they're all in good positions to do so. Laporta there in Detroit. Michael Mayer there in Las Vegas. There, no Darren Waller. Probably third on the pecking order as far as targets are concerned. Dalton Kincaid. He is going to come in there, hopefully fill that Cole Beasley type role. Cole Beasley had 100-plus targets out of the slot. Dalton Kincaid is a tight end, but really, he's not a tight end. And then at number 19, Tara I can't quit him. I just can't quit him. And that is Irv Smith Jr. Why can't I quit him? Because he's gone to Cincinnati and no tight end has failed there. CJ Azama, he was there. He got paid by the New York Jets. Then Hayden Hurst got there and he got paid by the Carolina Panthers. You go to Cincinnati as a tight end, you're going to get paid. So I think 
Irv Smith is going to have that good season. At number 20, Greg Dolchich. I don't know what Denver's doing at the tight end position. They got the candy man there, Albert O. They just traded for Adam Troutman. I don't know if they're going to run 12 personnel all the time because all their t- wide receivers get hurt. I don't know what's going on there. So I got him a little bit lower. When you look at that range, 13 to 20, is there a guy that you see cracking that top 12? Major. Uh, I'm going to go with Michael Mayer. Just because, like, living in L.A., all the Mexican homies, they don't have a J. They call me mayor all the time. So I think I have a little affinity for him. But that's – I think Jimmy G, he's a tight end running back. Like, like you love those. Or a slot guy. Anybody who's running short routes, he's, like, the, he's like the god of that. He's the short yard god. Um, That's pretty much it, man. I don't – like, I, I, I can't – I might protest tight ends the rest of the season. I'm not talking tight ends anymore. <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, for you guys, here's a question before Tara goes. Do you guys still believe in like the two-year, three-year, um, I guess, growth period for uh, tight ends? Is that still a thing or is it faster? I, I think it's still a thing. I haven't seen a tight end exceed that. I definitely haven't seen one do it in the first year. Second year, I mean, it's possible. But, yeah, I think you're looking at year three before you become really efficient at the tight end position. And – Maybe one of these guys breaks that mold, but I have a hard time trusting in that. It's possible. These guys are all in great situations to do it. I just can't get behind it because we haven't seen it. They they would have to be an outlier, right? We talked about ACL injuries. Adrian Peterson, he came back and was effective the next season. Jamal Charles, he came back, was effective the next season. We haven't seen that very often. That's why they're outliers. And that's what's with the tight end position at the rookies. We just haven't seen a rookie have that season yet at the tight end position. So there's no reason to believe that we're going to get it. It doesn't mean it can't happen, but there's no reason at this point to believe that it could happen because it hasn't yet. Oh, uh, for me, now I will say, I, I agree with you, but I, I do think that if any of them has a shot, um, well, I like Laporta long-term, I think it's going to be Kincaid because I don't think we'll see a traditional tight end usage from him. We know for a fact, he's not going to be called on to block. Um, and we know that Buffalo wants to, they're, they're looking to fill a role that they've been trying to fill over the past, you know, several years, and they just haven't been able to do it. Um, Gabe Davis can't fill that role. He's a deep, you know, inconsistent threat. He can't be that consistent wide receiver to target getter in that offense. And that's what they're looking for. And I think, you know, they finally, you know, um, unfortunately, you know, uh, Isaiah McKenzie did not work out. Um, Khalil Shakir is still there, but again, I don't know they have that trust level. Um, But I do think that Dalton Kincaid has a special opportunity because of what they want to him to fill in this offense for Buffalo. So I could, I could see him being that guy who as a rookie has that kind of breakout break mold because he's going to be utilized and, you know, he's built differently in terms of, you know, a tight end. All right. And then from, because I like to, I love doing this to major, I like messing with them. We're going to go through 21 through 32 real quick. Gerald Everett, Hunter Henry, Noah Fant, Hayden Hurst, Trey McBride, Kate Otten, Taysom Hill, Jake Ferguson, Dawson Knox, this is the Kincaid factor here for me. Uh, Mike Gusecki, Tyler Conklin. Tyler Conklin's that guy that could rise up. I mean, I, I feel like we're disrespecting him once. I'm disrespecting him once again. But even his ADP is actually three spots lower than 31. And then, obviously, Zacharitz comes in at 32, and that injury history still bothers me. I don't know if he's going to be ready off the get-go. Kyler Murray not being there probably for the beginning of the season. That all factors into that. 
Um, when I look at these guys, there's guys that can move up and down. I can see the tight end position. We never know what we're going to get, right? There, it, it, I wish there was an exact science when it came to the tight end position, but like Major said, we're sick of talking about it because it's it, it hasn't given us anything to talk about. You get your top cup two, three tight ends, and then there's another tier break, and then another tier break, and then it's essentially like one big ass tier is how it breaks down where. You don't know how the rest of it's going to shuffle, but we know someone at the bottom is like Jenga. You pull a, pull a tight end from the middle and you put it on top. That's what happens each and every year. That's why I'm betting on Chigakonkwo being that guy. Now, I don't want to talk about tight ends anymore, so I'll pull up the list here one more time. Obviously, the top 16 here is Kelsey Hawkinson, Mark Andrews, George Kittle, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard, Chigakonkwo, Evan Ingram, David Ojoku at number 10, Dalton Schultz, Pat Frermuth, Jawan Johnson, Tyler Higby, Cole Komet, and, of course, Sam Laporta comes in just ahead of Michael Mayer and Dalton Kincaid as far as my tight end rankings are entering the season. That being said, I think Kincaid and Mayer are both better dynasty tight ends than we're going to get out of Laporta. With that all being said, this has been Another edition of the Dynasty Vipers Viper Cast. You can catch us on Apple, Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and of course, right here on the Vipers Network here on the YouTube channel. Hit that search button, type in Dynasty Vipers. We'll pop up right there. Make sure to hit that link, hit that subscribe button, hit the thumbs up, do what you got to do. Do it. And we will see you next week. Take care now.